Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. Um, we're going to continue, <laughs> surprise, in Song of Songs. Um, this time we're going to move forward to chapter four. So we're like, in theory, halfway there. <laughs> Except for there's a lot more in the last four chapters than there were in the first <laughs> first several. Now, uh, I, w- I want to say this, that if you missed last week, last week I actually felt was really important. I feel like every time's important, okay? Last week, I-, I feel like last week was really important. It was a little bit different. Um, last week we talked about really where we are as a church. And, and let's be honest, we're, we're different but because we're different, sometimes we may be misunderstood. Sometimes people may not necessarily like everything we do or agree with that. And that's okay. That really is. Um, you've, heard the, you've heard the saying, there's, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Um, <laughs> there's more than one way for a church to operate. Okay? And, and if there's more than one way for a church to operate then it's okay to look a little bit different as long as we're not differing on the dogmatic issues. And the dogmatic issues is there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus, okay? And, and we believe in word and spirit. We believe in the power of his written word, and we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that he still moves today. And so, so with that being said, last week we talked a lot about oftentimes when we're misunderstood, it's by those that operate with a religious spirit and, and, and they don't know any better. And so we can't be offended by the response. And that's really what last week's was about. And so I encourage you, it's like uh, if you have Facebook, whatever, it's on our Facebook page. I encourage you to go back and watch it. And, and if you don't do that thing... Uh, we have it on podcast where the audio is recorded. And so it's like listening to the radio. And that's, I'm just going to pitch this. I don't like doing this stuff, but it's on, we're on iTunes, have been for a really long time. So if you do iTunes podcast, we're there. If you do Google Play, we're there. If you do uh, Spotify, we're there now. And I think there's like two or three other places we're there. And so anyway, you could just go back and listen to the sermon. I, I, I'm not trying to push, like, I, it's not that I think you need to listen to me. I think it's that you need to listen to the word of the Lord. Because I, if we're going to continue to move forward in whatever this is, we need to be willing to stand firm and say, this is what we believe. And this is what we have placed a value in. And we're not going to compromise because someone doesn't understand. Okay. So, so anyway, go back and listen. Now, the whole premise of this series, I felt like the Lord wanted us to get a revelation of Jesus, our bridegroom king. I believe that he wanted us to get a revelation of the bridegroom king's love for his bride. And, And the phrase we've been using is beloved identity. In other words, I identify as beloved. It's, it's, it's. Yeah, and again, this is review, but I, I, want this, I want this to become so natural to us that we don't even have to think it. 
that we could, it's just who we are. And so like, yes, I'm a pastor. Yes, I'm a dad. Yes, I'm all kinds of other things, okay? But the most important thing about me is that he calls me beloved, okay? And if I walk in that belovedness, if you will, or if I walk in the identity that I am beloved, it changes the way, I really think it changes not just what I know, but it changes the way that I live. Because it's like this, like... Sometimes, let's just be honest, sometimes people sin. Even in a holiness church, sometimes people sin. Now, this isn't freedom to go crazy, but sometimes people sin. And the tendency is that when people sin or they do something, like I, I, I feel real strong. Like I think sometimes I have to bring correction, but I think the Holy Spirit is good enough that most of the time that he's going to point out what we, myself or you all, need to change in your lives. Like I probably say, what's the one thing you need to change that you know God has told you to change that you've yet to change so far? Right, And you would probably immediately start feeling a sense of guilt over that. So, <laughs> and, and it's not really guilt, it's conviction. Now, now, now I'm going to tell you this, that it's, when you get that feeling, it's an invitation to walk in greater intimacy and freedom. It's, it's, it's not like this, like, like you've heard, like, you know, you don't want to kick someone when they're down. I think it's the same thing with the Lord. I think the Lord puts his finger on something and has his arm out there extended to help lift you up from where you are. All right? Now, what happens oftentimes is, is when people go into a sin thing or, or you got free from something, but then you went back to something that you've been free from from a substantial amount of time. And, and in the propensity is you feel immense guilt, shame, condemnation. Now, and then, and then it goes even further where you think, well, maybe I'm not loved. Well, what if it's like I messed up, but he still loves me. And because he loves me, I'm not going to wallow in the pit of despair, but I'm actually going to live more holy now. And I'm actually going to live more free now than I ever have been because he's not waiting to lecture me. He's waiting to transform me if I allow him to do so. Okay. And so that's why it's so important to be beloved. And then what happens is once you get, once you really start to get beloved identity, then you start to realize like, oh my goodness, he feels the exact same way as the person across the room or feels the exact same way about the person that's across the room as he does about me. He feels the exact same way about me as he does the cashier at the gas station. He feels the exact same way about me as he does as the, as, as the little bus boy at the, at the restaurant. You see, it, it starts to open up your eyes. And then once you realize how he feels about you, you can begin to release how he feels about you to the world around you. And then it brings forth transformation. See, we don't need, I don't think we need a big evangelistic plan. I think we need to live as beloved and release that everywhere we go. And then that's your evangelistic plan. All right. So it's really important we get this. And like, I, I, I think if we could just get that, I, we, this is so powerful that like we, again, we were there last night. We, 
we were actually really looking forward to it that we were going somewhere and we weren't in charge. <laughs> we didn't have to be on. We, we just thought we could show in, show up, worship, maybe love on our teenagers that were there, you know, and support them. And right off the bat, they're in this song and they're singing about the father's love. I think we've did it here once or twice. I can't really remember, but we did it. And Logan looks at me because we're up front because we want to be right in the thick of things. <laughs> And we're up front with all these teenagers worshiping. And Logan looks at me and he's talking about the father's love, singing about the father's love. And he says, Logan's like, Logan did the exact same thing I just said, that it's not the father doing this. The father's waiting to embrace you. And he says, will you hug that young man right next to you and show this young man what it looks like? It messed you up too, didn't it? He said, would you hug that young man and show him what it looks like? And so I looked and I just, I went like this and bear hugged this kid and this kid melted in my arms. Like melted in my arms. And then I looked like two minutes later after I finished, like we, I don't know how long we hugged. It was quite a while because I was just loving on him. And I looked a few minutes later and he's, he's there at the altar just weeping profusely. And, um, I come to find out that that, and we didn't know this, Logan didn't know this, this was that young man's first time ever in a church setting. He went because his girlfriend invited him to go with her youth group. And so, so here's this, here's this, I, it's, my, it's crazy, he gave his life to Christ. And so here's this, now, I'm not telling you this to make us look good. I'm telling you this because I think this is what a picture of what the Lord wants to do in us and through us. Okay? So here's a church that just says the Lord wants us to look at this book that's probably the most misunderstood book in the Bible. Okay? Because it's not, you can read it and you think it's about sexual innuendos, and it's not. It's about intimacy between a bride and her bridegroom. Okay, and there's a difference between those two things, and there's hard, there's no kids here today, so I can say that. All right, so so here's this kid that happens to be standing next to a man whose church has been going through this book, Song of Songs, whose book is going through Song of Songs. Uh, I'm sorry, there is one kid. <laughs> two. <laughs> That's all right. You need to hear this. <laughs> Oh, so here's, <laughs> here's this kid. I'm just going to act like it didn't happen. So, <laughs> so here's this kid standing next to a man whose church has been going through this book, whose worship leader has been going through this book that says, why don't you demonstrate what you all have been learning about? And he has an encounter with the Lord, not through me doing this, but through me just hugging the guy. And what if it really is that simple? What if it really is that simple? So it's really, really important for us to get that identity as beloved. Now, I, wanna, uh, I, I want to just move forward here. And I want to remind us uh, of this because like this, this idea repeats itself over and over and over and over throughout the word. And if it repeats itself over and over and over through the word, we we need to be okay with hearing it multiple times. But then also, I want to say this. Now, when that boy was hugged, it was up to him how he responded. 
because he could have done what a lot of teenagers do and just been like, he could have, he, I could have hugged him and he could have been making faces and giggling over my shoulder at all his buddies, right? Or, and, and it's just like you all or me, when we're in a service, it's up to us to respond to what the Lord says. It's, it's not, it's, it's not, listen, it's not my fault if you don't respond to what the Lord does. It's not my fault. I mean, it's really not. And it's not your fault if your kids don't respond in the way that you want them to respond to the Lord. All we can do is just love and just see what happens. But so, so we each have this personal responsibility to respond. And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. Because the Lord will give you moment after moment after moment in your life to respond to what he's doing in your life. He, it's, it's like he, it's like the courtship never ends. It's like the wooing never stops. And yeah, you could live like you prayed the prayer to go to heaven 20 years ago. You can live in that moment for the rest of your life and spend eternity with him. Or you can be thankful for that moment and remember that moment, but also be aware that he speaks every single day. And there are times when he wants to draw you closer than you've ever been. It's like, well, you're this close? Well, I'd like to bring you this close, right? And it's up to us to what we do with those moments. And that's what I want to read about today. So with that big, long introduction, I'm going to look at chapter four and just start with verse one. And I'll flip back and forth today. I'm going to go from the NASB, and I'll read some Passion Translation as well to help us. But verse 4, starting with verse 1, this, again, is the bridegroom king. This is Jesus speaking to his church, all right? Or this is Solomon speaking to the Shulamite woman. But anyway, it says, How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful you are. Now that makes, I'm sorry, when you start to think that he thinks you're beautiful, you can either squirm at that idea or you can accept that idea. (laughs) Your eyes are like doves behind your veil, which actually means that that your eyes, our eyes, he says that it's like revelation revelation unfolding into more revelation uh, uh, about his goodness. But your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats that have descended from Mount Gilead. Your teeth, husbands, try this one on your wives. Your teeth are like a flock of newly shorn ewes which have come up for their washing, all of which bear twins, and not one among them has lost her young. Your lips are like a scarlet thread, and your mouth is lovely. Your temples are like a slice of pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck like the Tower of David, built with rows of stones on which hung thousands of shields. All around the shields of the mighty men, your two breasts are like the fawns, twins of a gazelle which feed among the lilies. Now, you you read that, and I read that fast, but if you read that slow and get beyond the language and get to what it's saying, this is a bridegroom that is fascinated with his bride. And our response to his obsession is paramount. 4.6 says, until, verse 6, it says, until the cool of the day, when the shadows flee away, I will go, this is the bridegroom responding, I will go away to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. 
So he lavishes all these compliments upon her. And she responds by saying, I'll go away with you. In the context of the story, this is when their wedding actually happens. Let me read this verse from the Passion because it actually will help us understand it a little bit better. It says, she says this, I've made up my mind until the darkness disappears and the dawn has fully come. In spite of shadows and fears, I will go to the mountaintop with you. The mountain of suffering love and the hill of burning incense. Yes, I will be your bride. See, again, we must make up our own minds. And I I think we must make up our minds day by day by day by day. Not just I did 20 years ago. I think like this morning, I woke up this morning and said, I want to follow Jesus. We've got to do that day by day. And I don't think we can afford to be wishy-washy. I don't think we can afford to go back and forth. And I don't think we can afford to follow him when it's only really, really easy, when it's really, really good in life. Because more often times than not, we are faced with difficult situations. And it's easy to put him by the wayside and wait until things get good and be like, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But then when things get tough, we're like, I'm too busy for that. Oh, our decision literally is for better or for worse. (laughs) That's why we say it in a wedding. She says, I'll go to the mountaintop with you. And not only the mountaintop, because the mountaintop would be like the high experiences of life. But then she says the mountain of suffering, love, meaning that that I'm going to go to this mountaintop experience, but I understand there's going to be moments when I, when I mourn when you're not near. There's going to be moments when it feels like you're far away that I'm actually going to become lovesick and wish that you were more near. And some of us have been married for a long time. You forget what that's like, but that if you're away from your significant other for any amount of time, you understand what I'm saying. It, it's, just, it's just this longing to be with one another. And, and she's agreeing in this statement. I'll go to the mountaintop. Yes, the mountain of suffering love. She's saying, I want to be, I want to have union with you. I want to be unified with you. I want our lives to become one. And that's a picture of John 17, where Jesus prays that we will become one with him as he and the Father are one. He, 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 he wants us to live in this close proximity and intimacy with him. And that really is the point of the Christian life. To have union with the king. It's the point. Well, I thought it was to go to heaven. Yes. It, it, that's part of it. But it's to have union with him. I don't have to wait till I go there. I can experience that right here and right now. It's going back to the original intention in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 where God created man in his own image and, and, and he went to go meet with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and walk with them. It was that close fellowship with the Lord that he's inviting us into. The Lord, I'm tell, like I don't, the, the Lord is not looking for a church that would do really well if we learned so much information about him that we could succeed on Jeopardy or some, some other questionnaire type of show. He's looking for a people that live close and intimate with him, that, that we, we don't make any decision without him being in the middle of that decision. We don't say anything unless we believe 
believe it's what he's wanting us to say. We don't do unless it's something he's wanting us to do. And it's actually enjoying him. It's actually enjoying his company. April and I went for a walk yesterday. It was a long walk. <laughs> like, really long. <laughs> Eight miles long. Uh, <laughs> not long enough. I'm feeling it today. But there was, I don't know, there was, and I'm not sure how long, the, uh, it was a few hour walk, because we, we just took our time. But there was, I don't know, probably a 40 minute time period where we didn't even say a word. I was fully aware she was with me. <laughs> she was fully aware that I was with her. And it was just as fun doing that as it was when we were having conversations. Why? Because we've learned to enjoy each other's company. And I think it's the same thing with the Lord. I think some of us think we have to be like, oh, God, and, 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 and just be really formal. And what, there is the fear of the Lord. So much of the Christian life is just being fully aware that he's there and enjoying that very truth. And so, so we, we need to begin to respond to that, that he starts to speak over us. And we're like, I accept that. I believe that. And I'm going to go away with you, Lord. I'm going to allow you to whisk me off of my feet, if you will. And the purpose is, is, is again, is, is and always has been union with him. Now, our yes, this is what's fascinating to me, our yes to going away with him actually compels him to continue to speak over our lives. Our yes to pursuing him compels him to continue to speak over top of us. Like, <laughs> he's going to continue to speak about your beauty yeah. to him. See, verse 7, I haven't gotten there yet. Verse 7, he says this. Like, he goes through those first five verses where he lavishes his love, and he brags about her teeth to her and says, your neck is like the Tower of David. And like, I, I could go into all that, but I'm not going to. But it's really beautiful what he's saying. And she responds, yes, I'll go away with you. Yes, I'll become your bride. And once she says that, he says this. He says, you're altogether beautiful, my darling, and there's no blemish in you. See, I think... I think this, I think that the reason why so many people struggle in their faith is because they fail to continue to get into his presence on a regular and consistent basis. And therefore, they fail to hear what he actually thinks of them. Now, I don't do that so I can get something back. But I do it because he's worth it. But what happens is this. And, and this is why, this is like why, and, and just be real practical. It's like, man, I'm struggling. I've been really angry the last two or three days. Or, or I've been really, I, uh, people's gotten underneath my skin. I've done this, I've done that, I've done the other. Think very practically. You could say, well, ha, what, ha, have you been in the word? 
Have you been on your knees? Have you spent time alone with him? Well, no, I haven't done that. Well, that's probably why you're responding the way that you're responding because it's impossible to get in his presence and not allow him to transform our heart. And, and so, so, so I think that's a big problem. But he says, you're altogether beautiful, which means that you're actually pleasing to look at. It means that there is no physical defect when he looks at you, which, which I thought about that. And it's like we, 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 we look in the mirror and it's really easy, like I did it this morning before I got ready. And, and I probably like did this to my shirt like four or five times. Like, I'm not sure if I like the way that looks on me or not. I wear the same shirt every day, right? <laughs> Literally, I do. Well, not the same one, just the same one of a different one. But anyway, <laughs> I don't like change, whatever. You guys know that. And so, 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 but we look in the mirror, and what do we see when we look in the mirror? We see our flaws. We see the things that we don't like about ourselves is, oh, my nose is big or, or, oh, I've got a couple more gray hair today or, or I need to lose about 15, 20 pounds. Like we see those things. But when you're walking in covenant relationship with the Lord, he says, I look at you and because you're being transformed into my image, I actually see no physical defects when I look at you. Now, what would it look like? Let's be real practical. Our teenagers are gone today. What would it look like if our teenagers said, there's nothing physically wrong with the way that I look? In a world, in a world that says you need to look like this, you need to do this or that, in a Kardashian-driven world where beauty is fake and plastic, our kids begin to get a revelation of they're actually created in his image, and he has a multifaceted image, but we're created in his image, and he says that when he looks at them, there's no physical defect in them, and they can begin to be comfortable in their own skin, they can begin to feel like they're beautiful and they're worthy. And it doesn't matter if some boy or girl said that they think that they're ugly or not. Because that just means that kid isn't good enough for that kid. Or I would say isn't good enough for our kid. But I would say that kid doesn't deserve to be in a relationship with our children. And the Lord is going to send someone that's running as hard after Jesus as they're running after Jesus. See, I think this is really, really important. And I'm not talking about being vain, but I think whatever. I think we should take care of ourselves. I think all that stuff. I'm saying we should not obsess over it. Now, that phrase, he says, you're altogether beautiful, my darling. It means no physical defect. And he says, there's no, let me just read it again. He, he says, and there's no blemish in you. Blemish. It not only means no physical defect, but it means there's no spiritual defect either. That's why in that verse we've talked a lot about here, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What would it look like if we begin to say we're not sin waiting to happen? What would it look like if we actually got a revelation that when he looks at me, he doesn't see, oh, they're about to make a mistake. And, like, and, and, and you know what I'm talking about? Like we just think, we say stuff like this, oh, the rug's about to get pulled out from underneath of them, right? Or things that went really good for a long time, something bad's about to happen. It always does. 
Well, maybe if we quit prophesying that, it wouldn't. All right. But he, he looks at us. He looks at her after she lavishes love. Says, I'm just going to go away with you. I'm leaving everything behind. I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to marry you. I'm going to spend my life in union with you. And he says, there's no blemish in you. He's looking for a bride that's without spot, wrinkle, or blemish is what the book of Revelation says. And if that's the case, then I actually think it's he's looking for a bride that's oblivious to the spots, wrinkles, or blemishes that they did before Christ came into their life. Meaning like those things no longer define us. Now, You've heard us say this, the religious spirit wants to remind you of your past and your sin. And like I can even point, show you in our Bibles where there's stories in the Bible where we refer to people before their encounter with Christ. That's why we call the guy the prodigal son. He's no longer a prodigal. He's a redeemed heir, right? So, so are we say the woman with the issue of the blood? She's not the woman with the issue of the blood. She's the woman that was healed that no longer has the issue of the blood. See, religion tries to get you to identify as who you were before your encounter with Christ. And, and he looks at you as if there's no blemish in you, right? It's like blind Bartimaeus. Like my Bible says, the story of blind Bartimaeus. His first name isn't blind and his last name isn't Bartimaeus, right? His name is Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, which actually means son of the nobleman. So here's Bartimaeus, and it is, I think it's Mark chapter 10, that, that we say, oh, he's a blind man, but he was blind, but he was a son of nobility, and we fail to see that because we identify people who they were before their encounter with Jesus. And he looks at people and says, oh, that you are without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, what about people? that's given their life to Christ that still has sin in their life. Well, if we believe that he's transforming them, maybe they don't have the revelation of certain things in their life that we have right now, but if we keep believing that they're going to get it, we're going to see transformation. The problem is, is that we expect someone that gave their life to Jesus yesterday to operate on the same level of revelation that someone that's been following him for 50 years has, and it's just not going to happen. You have a lifetime to get there, and so we need to remember Remember that they're going to figure some of this out. However, they're still holy. They're still without spot. They're still without wrinkle. And they're still without blemish. And they're still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What, what would it look like if we really begin to get that revelation? Again, I, I think it changed things. Begin to change things. Takes the pressure off. (laughs) It takes the pressure off. Like I don't I don't what if I don't have to try to be a good person? What if I just am? What if I don't strive for it, but what if I live from it? That's that's the difference. What if I don't strive for holiness? What if I just live from holiness? Does that make sense? I'm not trying to climb to something. I'm living from something. Therefore, if I'm living from something, everything that I do flows from that something. 
The only thing the word tells us, and I've been fascinated with this, and I've said this a few times, the only place in the word that gives us permission to strive is in Hebrews chapter, chapter 4, I think verse 11. It says, strive to enter rest. Which means that everything born out of anxiety and worry is illegal to go after. The only thing that's legal to go after is to get into a position where you can go, and everything flows from there. All right. It's a lot, I know. Now, what's amazing is that this journey that he invites us into, he, he wants to do it together. Song of Songs 4a, I'm going to read it from the NSB, and here in a minute I'll read it from the Passion. He says, you're altogether beautiful. There's no blemish in you. And then he says this, he says, come away with me. Come away with me from Lebanon, my bride. We're four chapters into this book, and this is the first time he calls her his bride. Why? I think, obviously, in the story, I think it's finally when they went to be wed. But I think it takes time for people to come into the revelation that he really is crazy about you. He says, come away with me from Lebanon, my bride. May you come with me, journey down from the summit of Amana." from the summit of Sinir and Hermon, from the dens of the lions and from the mouth of the leopards. Jesus, hmm. how do I say that? Jesus isn't interested in us having marriage and then divorce with him. Marriage and divorcing him. Marriage and divorcing him. Marriage and divorcing him. And, and if we're honest, that's the way a lot of the church life is. It's, it's we, we have that wedding date. We get something happens in a special revival service. We wait six months. We have another service and we get wed again. <laughs> and then we leave them two days later, right? And, and it's, it's the truth. And what if it doesn't have to be that way? What if we can live with him day by day by day? One of my favorite writers, I've only, well, I say writer, one of my favorite books um, is by the author, the guy's name is Frank Laubach, and I read this book probably about a year and a half ago, and it's called uh, Letters from a Modern Mystic, and Frank Laubach was a missionary in Indonesia, and he was in like a 98% uh, Muslim nation, and, and anyway, he was in this Muslim nation, and he was having no success at all leading people to Christ. And so he starts trying to develop things. He actually, he starts developing this curriculum and books, and you can still get these, on how to teach Muslims English. And so he starts writing this stuff, and he starts teaching them this. But as he's going through this stuff, like English curriculum, he starts having these thoughts. I haven't thought about Jesus in six days. He thought he wanted to start to do this experiment where he lived with him moment by moment by moment, a conscious awareness of Christ in his life. And as he started this process, he started noticing that these Muslims started getting saved 
as he was trying to live this process. And it wasn't because he was trying to get them saved. It was because he was trying to live aware of the Lord with him. He's inviting us to live this lifelong process with him. Together. (laughs) And again, this last thing, this is an invitation to go deeper and further than we've ever been. He loves courtship. But he desires much more than that. He desires covenant relationship. He desires marriage, if you will. Union between his bride and the bridegroom. He desires that. Look at, I'm going to read Song of Songs 4.8 again, but from the Passion. This is him talking to his bride. He says, and this is her, after her saying, I'll come away. He says, now you're ready, my bride. (laughs) Now you're ready. Come with me as we climb the highest peaks together. Come, Come with me as we experience the mountaintop experiences of life together. Come with me through the archway of trust. We will look down from the crest of the glistening mounts and from the summit of our sublime sanctuary. Together, we will wage war in the lion's den and the leopard's lair as they watch nightly for their prey. He's saying, let's climb the highest peaks. Let's enter into a deeper trust. Let's live our lives together. And not just in the good times, but when you actually feel like you're going to war for something. Whether it's for your kid, grandkids, for friend, family, whatever. Live with me. Live with me and walk in this. And I love that. He, he, I think there's a profound truth in that. That we think that when we fight or when we fight, when we go through a difficult time. It's so easy to feel alone and isolated in those moments. And the Lord says, let's fight together. And I actually think fighting together <laughs> is this. If, if this is the Lord, and if this is, this is me, if, if, if this is the Lord, I think this is what fighting with him is. It's allowing him to go before us and taking care of things. And the sad reality is, is that we get frustrated in the courtship or we get caught up by other distractions that are going on in life. And we miss out on the daily invitation to come away with him. And you can see that modeled in Jesus's life. Yes, Jesus did all these wonderful, amazing things. But Jesus, Jesus, no matter how busy he was, like in Mark chapter 1, he ministered late into the night. And then you get to like verse 20, 22, 24 in Mark chapter 1. Jesus leaves very, very early in the morning and goes and he gets alone. See, that invitation to come away is of the utmost importance And that's the only way, if what we're doing, that's the only way 
That's the only way that this thing will succeed. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.